tides. Dr. Uris, personal notes. It's been raining for three days. Three miserable, horrible days. Also, it's just so damp in here. Water is condensing on the walls of the sub and it's just gross. I was climbing back up when the first drop started to hit. I enjoyed it at first, but then I thought about airborne microbes and sulfur dioxide from volcanoes and started walking a bit faster. My ankle is still sore and it's difficult to go full speed, but I made do. And I've just been sitting in the sub, waiting it out. My choices for shelter are limited. Luckily, I've gotten used to the weirdness of it. Built a kind of parachute nest where the bunks used to be. That's almost like a real bed. Not a lot else to talk about. Reception's been terrible, but hey, it's better than being stuck in a shell with a giant slug monster. Uh, sorry, Bob, if you're listening to this somehow. By the time I got back up here, the wind was blowing pretty hard and it hasn't stopped since. Almost knocks me over when I try to go outside. It's monsoon season, I guess. On top of that, I'm expecting the tidal wave any minute now. One thing I've done now that I have some specimen containers and preparation tools is put the section of nervous tissue from the surfer into some formaldehyde. I can't do anything with it but hold on to it for posterity. I mean, uh, come on, Stevens, what could I possibly do with it here? My microscope is completely gone, washed out to sea. I mean, the most I can do is just preserve it. The rest of the surfer I sort of just scooped out. Then I left the shell in the rain within reach of the door. Uh, the precipitation here is a little acidic, which I thought might help loosen the leftover bits. A few hours later, I checked in on it, and the shell was just a writhing mass of multicolored worms and other creatures. I shut the hatch tightly and left them to it, and within a day, it was completely clean. All of the worms were gone again, disappeared into the hazy, rainy twilight. In the brief time it's been there, the rain-filled shell has accumulated more organisms. Thin, translucent larvae shaped like little hooks, and a greenish mold adhering to the side, spreading through the grooves like grout. Also, there's a tiny scarlet crab with five evenly spaced limbs that's taken to sitting next to the puddle within. I've observed it bringing tidbits of things to the pool and tossing them in, seemingly feeding the larvae. Either those are its larvae, or this is a case of misapplied parenting instincts. I'm starting to think the latter, since the larvae are almost larger than the crab at this point and have a very different, sort of triangular cross-section and no carapace. There are birds on Earth that will feed goldfish in ponds just because their urge to put food in gaping mouths overrides the obviously ridiculous nature of the situation. So this solitary mini crab, who I've named Jess, might know something more about the situation that I don't, but honestly, I'm not the most confident in the intelligence of crabs. Huh. I wonder what my friends, I, I trust the air quotes are audible, the monster crabs are up to. Hopefully they're having a horrible day, or at least as bad as mine. God damn it, I used to love the rain. I did have to go down the rocks to get more supplies. It was slippery and treacherous. The rain is acidic, of course, but not as much as I was afraid it would be. 
probably less damaging to your skin and hair than the average swimming pool. I just put a hat on that I made out of parachute fabric and went for it, trying to keep the rain out of my eyes and mouth, more because of bacteria than any chemical concerns. <sighs> After nearly falling, again, I dug up my stash and grabbed as much as I could carry. On the way back, I took the time to set up a rope that would make climbing easier. Should have done that sooner, but hey, I don't always think ahead, do I? I grabbed, let's see, a few cherry in there. Oh, some chocolate chip and a decent amount of peanut butter, nice. I'll put those away for later if I want a reward. This one just says salmonberry surprise. It, is it, is it salmon and berries? I've also taken the opportunity to start distilling and storing extra water in spare sample containers and plastic bags. I guess I've become a bit of a hoarder. You never know what could happen, though. Never thought I would be my grandmother, though. Bob probably can't hear me, but I can hear him. Uh, that's the other thing I've been doing. Well, I can see the sound waves he's making, at least. The sensors I placed are working well, unlike everything else here. With the setup I have, I can roughly estimate the region, specific down to a couple of shells from which certain vibrations emanate. The epicenter, if you will. I had a little help. I mean, I, I delegated some of the waveform information to Montague. So yeah, I'm taking it all with a grain of salt. Robert did the work of extricating the overlapping signals from the jumbled mess of information, and as far as I can tell, he didn't screw anything up too badly. Yet. On the way back to the solar system, I'll have plenty of time to double-check everything. The resulting picture of their communication is a bit ambiguous, all told. I think the Snailians have been in a sort of dormant state during the low tide period, analogous to sleep. There's a synchronous rhythm coming from all of them, emanating and overlapping, oscillating gently at about 4 hertz, like delta or theta waves. I don't know exactly how this is maintained, mechanically or physically. Uh, more complex signals are still being passed back and forth, though, at irregular intervals. An individual will signal the start of a message with a single amplitude spindle, followed by an extremely complex series of vibrations that must somehow encode information. Soon after, one or more others will respond with a spindle and their own incomprehensible message. The question is, is this signaling back and forth in any way close to what we would consider language? Imagine an alien trying to determine if the individual cells of your brain have a society based on their interpretation of the impulses passing between a few of them. Not only would that be impossible to get any sort of usable information, but it's completely besides the point of human intelligence and human society. Even if there is intelligence in society there, is what I'm measuring the important part or is it just a byproduct of it? There's one signal that never gets a response. It, it always comes from Bob and he, um, I've been thinking maybe I shouldn't refer to them as a he. This isn't because I'm trying to dehumanize and distance myself, but uh, rather the opposite. Assigning gender to animals is cute while assigning genders to intelligent beings that might not have them is just weird. They, uh, Bob, that is, will send out a very distinctive beep-beep-beep sort of rhythm. There usually isn't an opening spindle with that, though sometimes there is. 
they'll do it a couple of times and then stop. And after a much longer pause than normal, others start to all talk at once, signals overlapping and turning into a complete mess where you can't tell what's going where. At least, I can't tell with my puny human brain. Montague, of course, has no chance from the get-go. I'm gonna keep mulling that over as I wait for Melissa to get back to me with the weather report. The Strybog still has some capabilities to track the storms moving across ponds, and they've been updating me occasionally. Unfortunately, it's been mostly same old, same old. But Melissa thought there was a chance that I would be getting a break soon, so that should be any time now, once they're able to get a signal through to me. Melissa, is that you, or...? Nope, just me, here to bring you the long-awaited weather report. Breaking news, it's probably raining. <laughs> really? Erickson, why... why you? What do you mean, why? Do you not like talking to me or something? No, 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 I just meant that... Fred, everyone else has gotten to talk to you, and now I finally get the chance, and you act like you don't even want to hear from me. Is that what I mean to you? It's not that I don't like you, it's just I was expecting someone else. And actually, I don't even know you all that well, you know? This just is, doesn't seem like the right time to bond, given my oh, current situation. Oh, I'm so sorry, have we met before? Well, I'm Dee Erickson, she's A. I work as an assistant astrophysicist on a spaceship called the Strybog. You, uh -huh. you work on that ship too, don't you? We're on a mission to discover new life and poke it until it shoots poisonous gas at us, and so far we've actually been very successful. Nice to meet you, finally, Dee. I'm back at you. Look, do you want my analysis of the vibration data you sent or not? Uh, yeah, I do, actually. That is why I sent it. Happy to hear it. So, me and Stevens and Dr. Montague have been looking through this stuff for hours and tried to get everything we can from it, and the gist of our findings is it's probably complex enough to be language. And? Is that it? Seriously? Uh, yep. That's pretty much it. Uh, sorry. I, I was just hoping you'd have figured out something more than just that. <laughs> what did you expect, Fred? Alien soap operas? I haven't ruled out alien soap operas and radio shows, even. It's just a little bit more difficult to follow the plot with these ones, you know? You really, you can't give me anything else here? Okay, let's see what I can give you, Freb. The waveforms are repetitive. Certain features are repeated more than others. There is a simplest unit of sound similar to a phoneme, but its length is variable and there's a number of modifications depending on the situation, but we can't tell what those situations are. Okay, well, that's something wait, wait, wait. to start with at Here's least. Here's some more. Here's some more for you. Based on the spatial map we have, the closer the individuals are, the more they respond to one another, and the more closely they copy each other. We've also noticed vibrations that might be the sounds of other animals moving through. And then there's a sort of spike in activity. Isn't that so exciting? Uh -huh. Yeah. Um, Alright, that's... Thanks for that. D, it was, um, well, I'm sure it'll be more useful when we have more data. You're so welcome, Fred. 
so while I have you here, um, I've noticed you have a few hidden commodities on board, and in exchange Seriously. for a small fee, say 10% of the goods, I could ensure that they remain in safe hands until you get back on board. No, D. You and everyone else can stay the hell away from my sunflower seeds and just all of my stuff in general, actually. So can you, can you please go get Melissa, please? Fine. That's how you want to play it. I'll go get my manager. Great. Hi, Fred. How are you doing? What's up? Did something happen? I'm, I'm good, I guess, pretty much the same. What, why are you sending Ericsson to talk to me instead of doing it yourself? Well, I was just trying to compile all the weather data we've gathered, especially because you're going to lose sunlight over the next few weeks. We haven't been able to observe bonds when it's been in the shadow of Alternus yet. I have no idea what's going to happen to the climate. Okay, then come and tell me that yourself. I would have, but... Weather prediction is a tricky business, and I only know so much about it, so I don't have much to tell you yet. It's a better use of my time to keep analyzing the data and have Ericsson report their data back to you. A better use of your time? Yes, they're a bit surly, but perfectly capable of conveying the information. I... Yes? I need to hear your voice, you know? Just sometimes. Oh. Yeah, it's, uh, uh... Fred, you could have just said that. I didn't realize. I'm sorry. No, no, it, it's fine. No, it's... No, it's it's not, but it's my fault. You, you can't read my mind. But I... I could have been paying more attention to my friend. I guess I was... Focused on helping you this way, and forgot you also need emotional support. It's... I'm not the best at picking up on that sometimes. You and me both. I'm glad to hear that you're aware of it. That's sort of a big step for you. Hey! Oh, well, uh, okay, you're not entirely wrong, but... The issue I see is, how do we weigh the importance of using the time we have to talk for social interaction versus mission-critical information? Which one is more important? That's an actual non-rhetorical question, by the way. Um, I guess look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Physical well-being is more integral than love and acceptance. Knowing this storm will end is, uh, important to my physical health, I guess? Say that again, and I'll come down there and box your ears. <laughs> Maslow was a... a douchebag, okay? <laughs> okay. What kind of a man says a starving person doesn't need to feel love? <laughs> well, regardless, you were... you were trying to help. Stop apologizing for being upfront about your needs. I was getting used to it. Much better than trying to guess amid all your obfuscating sarcasm. All right, all right. Mm -hmm. That's why I think you can read my mind, by the way. You keep doing things like that. The funny part is, you think I'm insightful, but honestly, you are just that easy to read, Dr. Eurus. <laughs> okay. Perhaps that's why I tolerate you. Mm. It makes me look more in touch with my emotions. Oh, that's, that's me, Miss Transparent. 
I, I have to admit, I admire how you can sit back and just observe things. I don't know what you mean by that, or even if it's a compliment or a criticism. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm not sure either. Uh, anyway, I was also hoping if you have enough time in your busy schedule, if you could help me out with some of the wiring in here. And now comes the ask. Of course I can. I take no responsibility if your aliens snarled everything up and you get electrocuted, though. Yeah. I've had enough of listening to people in pain. Alright, alright. Let's do this. Yeah. Uh, let's start with running some diagnostics. Okay. Who knows how you even got that thing to start in the first place? Okay, uh, Melissa is gone, but I think we managed to sort a little of this mess out. Tag came in and nearly knocked us off the rocks again, but at least power is reconnected to the propeller and air recycling is back online, as well as the systems that filter dissolved oxygen out of seawater. Those were thankfully undamaged. I can create my own sealed environment in here again, at least once I've stored enough air. And that is better than having the hatch open with rain leaking in all the time. I did have to go out in the deluge to scrape the shell off the two working exterior cameras. It's very difficult. That is hard stuff. I did accidentally scratch one of the lenses. But hey, I can see outside now. A bit. We found a lot of weird stuff. The, the Snailian tech, if you'd call it that. It's integrated into nearly every system. Shell and glass and pearl jammed into crevices between metal and plastic. Some of it is functional, particularly the fiber optics and the structural supports. Some of it was sort of recreated superficially, as if they tried to just make something that looked the same without really understanding what it was originally for. These parts, they can look like wires and tubing, but they're totally non-functional, which I originally thought in my initial inspection. A few systems like the bilge have been removed and replaced with equivalents of completely alien design. And yet others are fulfilling functions the Jacqueline never had before. The spiky protrusions can all move independently to interact with things outside. I managed to get most of the whole sensors working as well as the sonar days ago, but I didn't realize that hooked directly into my console is some sort of tendril that goes into the wall and connects with an outer layer of shell casing. This layer is sensitive to vibrations and all of the shell material helps to amplify that. It took some doing, but we were able to combine the inputs with the normal sensors and this new skin to get a much better picture of the side-scanning and multi-beam sonar systems developed by TELUS. Now, it's incredible, almost like daredevil vision, a little jerky and fuzzy in places, but a great supplement for my remaining cameras. There's a few other things we found. A sphere with a warm spot on it that I only discovered by feeling it. If you turn the sphere, the warm spot stays on top. I think it's supposed to be a gyroscope of some kind. There's another thing, which is almost certainly a compass, and a small box tucked onto the console power supply. That one I broke open, and it contained a weird mechanical object with a needle scratching endlessly intricate, almost fractal-like designs on the surface of a golf ball-sized glass bead. It's still doing it, right now. The louder I talk, the deeper the scratches. They're recording me. Oh my, what impressive technology my good friend Bob and their compatriots have bestowed upon me. Truly, 
this machine is more functional than it ever would have been, and not a blasphemy against the very idea of mechanical engineering. <laughs> that was a joke. If I don't understand them, they definitely don't understand me. Anyway, I'm going to see if I can get the propellers to work. Hold on to your butts. Woohoo, all right, that is what I am talking about. Let's see if I can move the spikes enough to get us off this rock. Um... Almost there and got it. I'm moving. I'm fucking moving. Oh, holy shit. I'm gonna be chugging around this moon in style. It's a shame the extra weight means we probably won't be able to bring this thing up with us. It wouldn't fit the cradle that was meant for the submarine. Jacqueline is a true inhabitant of Fonz now and gonna stay here until she sinks or is once again busted into pieces. But I'd love to keep her when I leave, or at least park her somewhere high and dry, even if she is a little scarred and messed up. The view screen is functioning uh, with a slight blur from motion. I'm just going to send a couple of sonar clicks in the direction of the Snailian colony. Yep, there we go. Sort of a hello slash goodbye. Uh, hopefully it's not too disruptive. Well, no, uh, not a goodbye, actually. Not for long. But I do have a little while before the water lowers enough to strand me anywhere. Surface, this girl used to be capable of nearly 20 knots. I mean, she's got a little bit more drag now and sits lower in the water, so I'd probably be lucky to get 10. Which, honestly, is a hell of a lot faster than walking, so... Let's take her for a spin. Tides was written by Jesse Shushu and directed by Jesse Shushu and Ayla Taylor. It was produced by Ayla Taylor with assistance from Renee Sima and edited by Michaela Elias. Special thanks to Dana Patel. This episode features the voices of Julia Schiaffini as Winifred Uris, Phoebe Joy as Dee Erickson, and Emily Wang as Melissa Wang. You can find us online on our website, tidespodcast.com, and follow us on Tumblr and Twitter at tidespodcast. If you like our show and would like to help us keep making it, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash tidespodcast. This month, we would like to recommend Sidequesting, a lighthearted fantasy audio drama about avoiding the main plot and doing side quests instead. It follows Ryan, an adventurer who's willing to help everyone out, as long as they're not being asked to deal with the scary wizard that everyone keeps talking about. And now... This is Dr. Melissa Wang, and this is a Space Fact. Stars, while warm, can be quite distant.